I waited patiently, if not a little awkwardly, as the young woman in front of me sat on her knees in front of her bed, her back to me. Her elbows were resting on a mattress, her hands were pressed together, and she looked all for the world like a little girl saying her bedtime prayers. After a moment, she dipped her head down and crossed herself, then slowly rose to her feet. As she caught my eye, her lips curved into a serene smile. Hello, doctor, she said cheerfully, lowering herself into the mattress and shifting into a cross-legged position. Her long hair dangled over one shoulder in a neat, sleek braid, and she had a pleasant sort of warmness to her disposition. Is it time for our session? I smiled back before lowering myself into the chair near her bed. Usually, once it was time for our first big meeting, my patients were a bundle of nerves. Jessica Davenport, however, seemed ready to float right off the bed. I had never seen a woman look so utterly at ease only two days after being committed to our asylum. Is it a good time? Not a good time as any, I'm sure, she replied, stretching languidly. It isn't like I haven't had any urgent plans. I unskated my pen, then crossed my legs and positioned my clipboard on one knee. I didn't know you were Christian, I admitted, watching her closely. I didn't see you at the morning prayer group on Sunday. She shrugged, a slow, fluid motion that conveyed nothing but utter relaxation. I'm not. I raised an eyebrow. Then, why? What happened to me was enough to convince me that someone out there had an eye on me. She replied smoothly. Since I arrived here, I've made it my mission to praise every deity I can think of, and thanks. It's the least I can do. Every deity? Sure, God, Allah, various pagan gods and goddesses, she said, offering me a little smile. I'd like to pray to the Hindu gods, but they may have to wait till I'm out. I'm not familiar with the mantras. I see. We might be able to work something out, I replied slowly. Now, this thing that happened to you, are you referring to the incident that led to your arrival here? Yes, she sighed, raising one hand to fiddle with her long blonde braid. Which I suppose is what you're here to talk to me about, right? Well, if you're ready. She slowly closed her eyes and exhaled, then nodded. Where should I start? Wherever you believe the beginning might be. All right. She cleared her throat, then opened her eyes. Her gaze was a bit unsettling, filled with certainty and firm resolution. It all started with Danny, of course. And Danny is the man? Uh, That I shot and killed, yes. It wasn't always so bad, though. When we first started dating... It was the epitome of a perfect gentleman. He took me to these wonderful little restaurants, refused to let me open my own doors, and always had an arsenal of sweet words at his disposal. And he was good looking too. I was utterly mad for him. The way he looked at me. You would have guessed I was something precious that he couldn't bear to let out of his sight. And looking back on it, I suppose that should have been my first warning. It took several months for me to realize that 
I was unknowingly distancing myself from my friends. I don't know how I didn't notice it before. One morning, I just woke up and it occurred to me that I hadn't seen or talked to them in a while, even though we had always been very close. And when I mentioned to Danny that I'd like to see him again, he seemed tense. I didn't think much of it, but when I finally persuaded him to let me go to a girl's night out, he bombarded me with text messages the whole night and seemed to get more and more irritated if I didn't respond immediately. My friends were worried, but I told them that it would pass. Jessica, I said slowly, what you just mentioned is a textbook case of abuse. She laughed bitterly. I know that now, she sighed, but I was blind to it at the time. Of course, it only got worse. It all came to a head one night when I left a glass of red wine out on a nightstand. We were teasing one another and wrestling playfully, and I knocked it right over the football jersey he had folded over his desk chair. It was his favorite. The stain wasn't big, but there were a lot of little red drops all over it. Was it very valuable? Oh, I wouldn't know, she sighed, dismissing my question with the impatient flick of her wrist. I don't follow sports, but to Danny, it was like I had just ended his whole world. I apologized over and over, but he just got increasingly more furious until he grabbed the wine glass and threw it as hard as he could, right past my face and against the wall. It shattered. A couple of inches to the left and it would have hit me. But immediately after seeing the look on my face, it dissolved into the perfect picture of remorse. She rolled her eyes. I wouldn't let him touch me, but he eventually just grabbed me and kissed me and told me how sorry he was. He was even crying. Slowly, she turned her gaze down to the floor, the first action that had even hinted any sort of discomfort. I watched her carefully. It was when he pulled away to look at me that I realized Danny had changed. Yeah. She paused and I leaned a little closer. I'm sorry. This is the first time I've told anyone about this. Doctor patient confidentiality, Jessica. I assured her. You can tell me anything. All right. She tensed a little on her shoulders as she spoke. It... It was his eyes. His eyes? Yes, they... They had turned yellow like an owl or something. I tried to keep my face carefully free of any expression while she watched me, trying to gauge my reaction. And she continued once she had decided I didn't think she was acting like a raving lunatic. I thought it was just a trick of a light or... Too much wine, but when we woke up the next morning, there were those evil-looking eyes staring right into my soul. The strangest part was, she added, her brows knitting together worriedly, that other than his bright yellow fucking eyes, he didn't seem any different. It was like he hadn't changed at all, and everyone around him acted the same. As if my boyfriend wasn't starting to transform into some horrible thing. At first, it really messed around with my head. I thought I was losing my mind. So I hoped that I was just imagining it and that it would go away soon. 
and I tried my best to ignore it, but it only got worse. A week later, one of my friends invited me out while Danny was at work. I had the day off, but I couldn't get a hold of him to ask for permission. And yes, doctor, I'm aware that this is also an example of possessive behavior. She added as I moved to interrupt her. I promptly shut my mouth. Anyway, since I couldn't reach him, I just left him a voicemail and headed out, which apparently was the wrong thing to do. When I got home, he was sitting in the living room, very quiet and very still. He wouldn't answer me when I asked him what was wrong. I plugged in my phone while he was ignoring me. It died while I was out, and when I turned it on, I saw exactly 20 text messages from him and 7 voicemail messages. She paused and swallowed. I had only been out for 3 hours. He finally spoke and told me that once he got my message, he tried to reach me, and upon failing to do so, had assumed that I was in trouble and left work early to look for me. He called all of my friends too. What followed was a very loud interrogation about my actual whereabouts and several implications that I had lied about where I was. I argued with him and told him he was being ridiculous and he got fed up and lunged at me. Did he hit you? I asked quietly. She shook her head. No, she whispered. I almost wish he had sometimes. It would have made my life a lot easier. Instead, he stopped just an inch away from me and held my shoulder very, very tightly. And then he just stared at me for a few minutes. He was breathing hard. I think he was trying to calm himself down. She bit her lip. But then he opened his mouth to speak and... And I could see his teeth. They were different. It was like his mouth had turned into a pit of needles. I screamed and tried to get away... And he just held me there and shouted that he wasn't hurting me. And that there was nothing to be screaming about. That I was overreacting. He said that someone was going to call the police if I kept acting up. And then I'd have to explain why I was being such a crazy bitch. She added grimly. I sneaked out of the bed that night after he had passed out and slept on the couch. I couldn't stand to sleep next to him. The week after that... I had a late night at work. I was actually relieved when my boss asked me to stay for a few hours. It meant that I wouldn't have to go home and face Danny and the way he looked. I texted him to let him know, but he never responded. When I got home, he was in our room at the desk. He didn't speak for a while, but then he told me that he had been let go. I guess they had been making cuts at his office. And when he left early to come find me, it earned him a spot on the list. It was basically his dream job, so he was understandably distraught. But then he got angry and started shouting that it was my fault for acting suspicious. He even said that I probably wasn't even at work all night. She paused for a few moments and rubbed her eyes, suddenly looking exhausted. That's... That's when he took the gun out of his desk and held it to his head. He said that I was selfish for what I did to him and that I had ruined his life and that I deserved to watch him die. Wait, I said suddenly. Are you telling me that Danny killed himself? 
For a brief moment, so brief that I might have imagined it, hopelessness flickered across her face. No, she said softly. I was begging him to put the gun down, and then he pointed it at me. He was shaking and staring at me with those horrible eyes, and he said that I deserved it more than he did. He started saying horrible things, calling me a whore, telling me how the world would be better off without me, how nobody would even miss me. He stood like that for an eternity. She licked her lips. He finally put the gun down and started to apologize, but I ran. I hid it in a closet and stayed there while he walked around the house shouting for me. He was in tears. I could hear it in his voice, but I didn't care. It was in that moment that I realized he was going to kill me. With a shaky breath, she folded her arms tightly in front of her chest. After a short pause, she began to speak again in a trembling voice. It might not have been that night or even that year, but he was going to put me in the ground. I just knew it. And then I peeked around the door of the closet and I saw him. What do you... He wasn't right. She whispered desperately, her eyes brimming with tears. His skin was too pale. His fingers were too long. And I swear I saw claws. And he was still carrying his gun. I, I grabbed one of his old baseball bats from behind the coats. And well, I disarmed him. Her chest began to leave with silent sobs. And then I shot him in the chest. So he would stay down. I, I didn't want to shoot him. But I didn't know what he would do. In his face. She trailed off and stared down at the floor. Taking in deep, gasping breaths. And holding her head in her hands. I stayed silent while she struggled to compose herself. Did you tell the police that he threatened you? I inquired once her breathing had returned to normal. She gave me an almost pitying look through her tears and let out a breath of dry laughter. Of course, of course I did. But there wasn't any evidence that it was self-defense. I told you, he never hit me. Not once. Other than the bruises from the bat and the bullet in his chest, there was no sign of a struggle. It wasn't like there were any witnesses and the house was in pristine condition. The police even found, <laughs> found an engagement ring stashed in his dresser. She grimaced. Then the prosecuting attorney brought up, brought up the weekend I had spent in suicide watch at a hospital when I was a teenager. It didn't help that when the police showed up at his house. I was inconsolable and babbling about monsters with sharp teeth and big yellow eyes. At that point, it was all over. Although, I guess it did land me here instead of prison. Her gaze flitted past me and towards the open doorway of her bedroom, pensive and calm, despite the tears trickling down her face. The people here seem nice. Well, I think that's enough for today. I said briskly, rising to my feet. I've appreciated your cooperation. I'll be back in a couple days so we can discuss your treatment. She stood, nodded her head in agreement, and extended her hand. After a brief moment of hesitation, 
I gripped it and gave it a quick shake. One more thing, I added as she turned and began to rummage through her duffel bag, was drawing a tatered paperback fantasy novel. This monster you said that you saw, is this a recurring vision for you? She straightened It gave me a terse smile. Nope, that was the first time. She raised her eyebrows, but I'll be sure to warn you if I see any more. And you mentioned, I continued, that you were praying to thank the deity that let this happen to you. To be honest, Jessica, I can't understand why. Paper rustled as she lowered herself back into the mattress and thumbed through the pages of the book, looking for her spot. I don't think that it was meant to be a punishment, she said, not looking at me. I like to think that it was a blessing. Maybe I got a chance to see the real Danny before it was too late. Or maybe I'm just being optimistic about it. Nothing wrong with that. I don't think there is either. The unstable Jessica I had gotten a glimpse of only moments ago was gone. And she looked up from her book to regard me with her level stare. Have a nice day, doctor.